Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Yeah, old Mrs. Bootlets would have never stood for that. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, alongside you this morning. Just a week to go until Election Day. New Electoral College uh, mapping has been done. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning here on the morning meeting. A little shoe on the other foot. And who thinks that Rome is burning and why they'll put it out with your money? <laughs> well, if there's a, a simmering going on, that's it, right. That why is is our money going to put it out, or will that just be the kindling to 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 reignite? Ah, Quaid is a, a realist. Some would say a pessimist, but a realist. Three quarters of a billion dollars—that's a lot. We're under huge stress. Rome is burning around us. These are not normal times. You would think that might be taken from a presidential supporter. That was not. That was University of Illinois President Tim Colleen. And the amount of money again? Uh, three quarters of a billion dollars. That's okay. what the state of Illinois has robbed the University of Illinois of since 2015. University of Illinois is trying again. $750 for, million. Dollars. Yeah, for full state Funding in fiscal year 2018, tough to do when the uh, power that be in the legislature won't put together a budget. Mm. University also focusing its efforts on a multi-year budget agreement with Illinois. Again, tough to do when the powers that be in the legislature won't bring forth a budget. University President Tim Colleen said during his annual meeting with faculty money m- Monday rather that the money lost in state funding in the last two years $750 million, quotes, says Colleen, after going hyperbolic. Uh, imagine what we could do if we had a predictable fiscal environment. That's called a budget. That's called a budget. It is <laughs> yes, called a, a predictable a fiscal environment is, is yeah. called a budget, yes. Yeah, I, I would think the president of a university might be able to grok that. You and know. staying within it uh-huh. tends to keep things predictable as well well see that's uh, it uh, unless you're going to predictably get out of that budget well see well <laughs> it's funny that you say that because uh while talking about the need to be fully funded uh the need also to be given regulatory relief from procurement reform Aha. those are fancy words for purchasing stuffs mm-hmm. um uh, faculty members say they need to accelerate the process of buying research equipment and other materials See, th- but th- this is this gives you a little insight into the the different reality. Oh, they, they, that is that, not reality that we, that we live in, and and this w- is like Florida. It's a whole different world. What you're hearing is, well, we have to spend this so that we can get it, so that we can then get at least that amount 
if not more in the future, because we never know when we're going to need a whole lot more. But if we spend less, they'll think mm-hmm. we need less and give us less. Mm-hmm. So we have to spend more so that we can get more. Well, and this has nothing to do with reality either. No. Reality I- is is that the state is beyond broke, mm. looking for a admitted three-quarters of a billion-dollar increase every two years is not in the offing. Education has become swollen. Essentially, you see it some at the secondary level and, and, and often at the post-secondary level now. It, it's bloated with administrator-type figures uh, just crushing, crushing the dollars that are available within the district that could be used for other things. This is this is where this is where especially post secondary education has gotten out of control. And you see colleges around the state of Illinois facing facing possible closures while others are getting rewarded and are expanding because of their frugal approach to understanding what students need and how to give them that opportunity. And you don't have to look any further than the difference between Champagne and normal. ISU is continually reviewed as excellent with their uh, academic offerings as well as their uh, cost of education. And Champagne, on the other hand, this is where your trust fund babies go. I mean, $30,000 a year mm. to what? Wear a cute T-shirt about Chief Alinawek? I find it interesting because a year ago... We were having these discussions about Chicago State, Eastern Illinois, mm-hmm. Western Illinois. Today, U of I mm-hmm. making noise. Not in this. It's not exactly the same noise, but they're making noise about the. And, and everybody thought that it would get to Champaign last. Well, who feels the pinch? When suddenly food is in uh, a little bit shorter supply, more than someone who expects for there to be a feast on a daily basis. I mean, that's what you have here. You have, admittedly, the big dog in the room when it comes to post-secondary education in the state of Illinois that's used to having it their way, used to having an environment in which dollars, while being accounted for, are simply available, whether they're through uh, tuition, whether they're through subsidies, whether they're through any number of funding mechanisms that post-secondary institutions get their money from. And now the realization is hitting that, you know what? That whole thing about Illinois having to tighten its belt on a number of fronts, yeah, you're still part of that. They don't mean us. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. (laughs) We're academics. Bring us more of everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is going on right now in the state of Illinois, and um, I, I mean Tim Colleen might as well be shouting into a vacuum because you're you not going to get you're not going to get a budget proposal next year. I was going to say, do you think the, the 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 administrations in Carbondale, in DeKalb, in Normal mm-hmm. are are going? Oh, well, that's <laughs> that's terrible. I, hope. I can't believe that that 750. Wow. Yeah. Do you think that's what's going on this morning in those places, or do you think they're looking at that story going? Do, 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 are, are the other you know system presidents who kind of saw this coming and and righted their ship a little bit better? Are they sending him the gif of the baby crying? You know, or is there like a university president's email exchange? They could do the ultimate jerk move 
and say, you know what, if you would like, we have a course on that available, perhaps through correspondence, if you would like to sign up, it won't cost you as much as it would to go to your school, <laughs> but you could learn a little something <laughs> about putting that project together. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. Very nice. We just called the jerk store. They're out of Quaid <laughs> as well this morning. Travis Aiken, the uh, executive director of ILaw, our guest on the morning meeting, coming up in just about uh, 20 minutes. Those judges you'll be asked to vote on, they're an important part of the ballot coming up on uh, Tuesday. We'll talk to him about those issues uh, on the way. And new polling as far as battleground states. And one thing just made one of the key battleground states, Pennsylvania, Potentially even more interesting coming up on Tuesday. We'll get to a local issue that could have national ramifications next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, alongside you this morning. Travis Aiken, Executive Director of ILaw, coming up in just about 15 minutes or 17 or 20, depending on how deep we get into this segment here on the morning meeting. And yes, yes, what? before we finish up today, we will weigh in on the great contest of our times, Game 7. <laughs> okay. Here in the final segment. Because I've been asked uh, twice by people here and around the uh, palatial WTAD radio estate, mm-hmm. who do you think's going to win? And then, they, and, and then they pull this one. And you don't know if I'm talking about the World Series or the election. I go, yeah, I do. Uh, based <laughs> on who's asking you, yeah, you know. And A, you already know what they want you to say. They're yes. just trying to nudge you to their perspective and go, oh, we agree. That's, a, that's amazing. Uh-huh. We're on the same page now. Uh, We'll see about that coming up yet this morning here on the morning meeting. One of the big swing states, battleground states in the presidential election continues to be Pennsylvania in the way that it's being looked at. In fact, uh, it's, uh, well, right now, according to uh, some speculators, leans Clinton. But with its 20 votes, that would be a big get for Trump. Now a, uh, a, a local concern in Pennsylvania, specifically Philadelphia, has many poll watchers on both sides worried about Tuesday's vote. Philadelphia commuters are feeling the effects of a transit worker strike that began yesterday, Quaid. Oh, that's right. This is this is a big deal. You're going to hear a lot about this if they don't get it uh, sewn up before Tuesday. Uh, the walkout caused buses, trolleys, and subways that provide transportation uh, for about a half a million people. They give about a million rides per day, so you figure... One, you know, one person rides it each way. So about a million rides a day. It's about half a million people. Uh, Talks are expected to resume today. Those rail lines serve the suburb areas uh, in and around Philly. Government officials have been urging both sides to try and reach a contract agreement. The the union provides uh, coverage for about 60,000 uh, public, private, and charter school students, uh, as well as uh, uh, about 5,000 workers. Okay, so those rascally Russians have somehow They're sinking put the American together, election. put together 
a transit worker strike just in time to submarine Hillary. Because uh, apparently in Pennsylvania, it's bottom of the ticket up. Is that what they're, they're concerned that l- the local issues are, are going to drive people to to vote a certain way and that mm. that will help Trump higher up on the ballot? Yeah, they're, they're trying to Jenga from the bottom up okay. instead of from the top Just down. Just trying to understand the... the that's what I've heard that many times on issues that are going on there, and I'm not especially well versed in uh, Pennsylvania politics. But the interesting thing for me is that the numbers, as we look at Pennsylvania and the latest electoral mapping uh, that is out this morning, Pennsylvania has been polling as leaning Democratic, and despite the fact that Hillary's numbers seem to be down across the board. She continues to hold on to a uh, percentage lead outside the margin of error in Pennsylvania. And those 20 votes are big because if you get the way when you see the numbers for electoral college votes Mm -hmm. and they're saying right now it looks like Clinton Kane 246, Trump Pence 180. You're thinking, well, wait a minute, where, where do they get those numbers from? Once a state is moved out of the toss-up column by projectors, by projectors only, Mm -hmm. then they add that state's number of electoral votes to the presumed number of the ticket. Okay. So now that Clinton has been dancing outside the margin of error in Pennsylvania, they have moved those 20 electoral college votes out of toss-up and into Leans Clinton. So that's where you're kind of seeing this. So states that that many believe are still in play uh, might be assigned to one or the other. It's only when you get over into the near double digits that you really don't worry about it. New Jersey, uh, Clinton's up 14 there. Uh, Missouri, Trump's up 10. Tennessee, Trump's up 11. Uh, Washington, Clinton's up 12. Illinois, Clinton's up 20. Take that, Illinois. This is where you see that the, the candidates usually aren't going to spend their time. They've, they've got those states at this point pretty well in their hip pocket. Uh, it's where they see the toss-up states, Ohio, Florida, North Carolina, Colorado, Nevada. See, and they still have Iowa listed here, even though we've been told by our Iowa insider, Craig Robinson, that that is not the case of uh, Virginia, Arizona, and, uh, and, and Maine. So... This is Maine, just the one vote hanging out there. I don't think they're going to see a lot of presidential traffic. But Florida, and it's 29, certainly the big get. Ohio, 18. Virginia, 13. Arizona, 11. That's an Arizona that really shouldn't be in play. That's a little bit of the uh, Gary Johnson issue going on right there mm, for, yes, for Republicans sure. looking to, to keep that state red. So we'll see where this goes. Uh, Colorado listed as a toss-up. <laughs> there are nine votes, but we talked yesterday about they want to be the canary in the coal mine for single payer in this country. So that, to me, demonstrates a, a more liberal mindset among the populace that, that you're even considering multi-billion dollar legislation like that. So we'll see where it goes. Colorado, uh, compared to other states, a wealthier state in the union. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got property values. You've got uh, all the the technology and other things in Denver. You've got Aspen and all the other areas. Boulder, two very successful universities. Okay. Yeah, you've got travel, yes, tourism. You, you've got you've sure. got uh, relative to the other states, they're uh, they're one of the on the wealthier side of the aisle. So we'll see uh, where this ends up going. But as you look at the map, and you're going to hear much more about the map, 
I think this dovetails in uh, with another uh, set of polling that was uh, uh, completed and released uh, just today. Uh, Clinton and Trump now tied in the new Washington Post ABC tracking poll that finds while the two are tied at 46-46, Trump now has an 8% edge on which candidate is honest and trustworthy. This pendulum swings wilder hmm. than a couple of fraternity inductees well, on a weekend bender. When, All right? when you're left with, and a lot of people say, look, with the, with, nobody's super excited about, I mean, obviously there's, there's an uh, enthusiasm gap between Trump and Clinton, mm-hmm. but a lot of people will still say, these are the, this is the best we could do is these two. And so there is that sentiment. I think when you have that sentiment, this this particular polling question swinging back and forth based on whatever news is top of the mind, kind of kind of halfway makes sense. So that's where we're seeing this right now, seven but days the- out. Sixty seven percent of independents in the latest survey disapproved strongly of Clinton's handling of the questions on the email issue. That doesn't mean that they're not going to vote for her, but even those who are considering lining up for her will voice the fact that they don't trust her on this issue. I don't see how they can, uh, but you're right. Just because you disagree or, or, or think that she made a mistake or handled it poorly or whatever whatever words you want to use there, you're right, doesn't mean necessarily that they're not going to vote for her. The interesting thing, and you talk about, you know, you, you see all these polls it, literally every day now mm-hmm. as we lead up to next Tuesday, the the more pertinent numbers is where we started with the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. Give me those state-by-state breakdowns. A national poll at the end of the day, is it interesting? Sure. Does it give you a, a snapshot in that moment of, yep. of the nation? Okay, but that's not going to be the deciding factor. And you're going to start to see and hear less about national polls in the next few days, and those battleground states are really going to bubble to the top. So this is kind of your primer for that. Get ready. It's going to be all about Florida, Ohio, North Carolina, Virginia. I don't think Arizona as much because that's not as as, as interesting Uh simply because then you have to know something other than Trump or Clinton and what we, we, we don't have that kind of attention span in this country, Quaid. Well, Talk about three people. Arizona knows. And poor Jill Stein's just over, just, just buskering on the corner right now. Eh, she's hanging trying out to make with ends meet. Susan Sarandon. She's got, what, 1%, 2%, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good impersonation. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Been working on that since Bull Durham came out. Um so we'll see where where this goes, but it uh, it it right now develops into a battle for for specific states and those electoral college numbers, and not just a national poll. With Trump surging, and, and you see his margins growing to uh, to big double digits in some states. Missouri, one of the one of the I guess knocks on Trump's ability to win this is that in the states where he's popular, he's wildly popular. Mm-hmm. But he still only gets the votes for that state. And, and this, is, this is part of the problem where people feel like their vote doesn't count per someone else's vote in another state. Because if you win Missouri by 90%, you still only get Missouri's 10 votes. 
if you win Pennsylvania by 1%, you get 20 mm-hmm. electoral college votes, meaning that the vote in Pennsylvania was twice as valuable as your vote that was cast in Missouri. This is why uh, a lot of uh, Illinois conservatives feel disenfranchised mm-hmm. uh, and, and have for a few elections uh, now because they, they feel like regardless of how they get out and vote, and I don't mean in, on a local level. Obviously, your vote matters uh, in a large way mm-hmm. uh, in, in, you know, in your, in your uh, particular district, in your, in your county, in your city. Uh, very much so. Your vote, your vote is uh, very important. However, when you're uh, talking about the national election, I think a, a lot of conservative voters in Illinois feel like, and we've had that expressed to us. The, 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 they, you know, there are people who don't feel like if they vote conservative on a national level that it matters for anything in the state of Illinois. So we'll watch that. This leads to, I think we could see uh, something interesting. I, uh, predictions at this point, they're not meaningless, but I don't want to try and, and, and incite a tire fire here. But I, you're, you're pro-tire fire, I thought. I think we could see this happen in this election where the person who wins the populist vote does not win the Electoral College. Mm. Now, see, this brings up what you're leaning towards. A, we've lived through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but when you talk about where we were a week ago, and, uh, and I'm going to use the word that Donald Trump has used over, this is big when you're going to start hearing <laughs> big league. <laughs> Those are actually two words. Um, uh, rigged. And that doesn't mean that things have been rigged, mm-hmm. but I want to get into this a, a little bit with Travis Aiken because when you have people who voted early in a lot of states, some of them important states, Pennsylvania, one we mentioned, yep. Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, uh, people looking to perhaps change their early vote. You want to talk about a potential litigious nightmare mm-hmm. which vote got counted was it the first vote you early vote you made or was it your correction early vote that you made was did it they both, both get counted were yeah, none uh, were they uh, thrown out because uh, uh, the proper paperwork wasn't filed this this is the legal conundrum that we might be looking at a week from today mm-hmm Uh, Hillary Clinton yesterday on the campaign trail in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, Someone from the crowd decided to heckle her about the actions uh, of her husband. She immediately assigned that heckler to the, quote, negative, dark, divisive, dangerous vision of Donald Trump. Well, see, and this is straight from the Alinsky Tactics book, because what have we now found out, thanks to some WikiLeaks, is that all of the violence and all of the anger that was uh, present uh, in the crowd versus crowd aspect of the Trump uh, campaign stops early, that was all financially underwritten and purposely directed by the Clinton camp. Mm-hmm. Those weren't Trump so, supporters that were actually fighting. Those were political operatives who were paid to go put that stand on. And now one person stands up and waves a sign that is anti-Bill Clinton, and this is the this is the dark handiwork of Donald Trump. Okay. I'm sure there are Bill Clinton dissenters out there who also not fans of Donald Trump. Um, so this was the Bill Clinton is a rapist sign? Yes. Is that, okay. I was going to say, uh, are, were you implying that the Clinton campaign 
planted their own person with a Bill Clinton as a rapist sign so that she could use them as a prop? That's a possibility. Uh, but also the fact that now she has to deal with dissent in the crowd. See, there's been so few people at her rallies that she's been able to kind of know each one of them by name so they can <laughs> screen people out. <laughs> So now she's got a, a situation where, you know, they weren't able to do that. So, you know, it's 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 one of those things where your mind runs to what's familiar to you. And the fact that you have been astroturfing these things and financing the astroturfing of them. Of course, that's what's going to occur to you that's happening to you because Projection. that's how you operate. Yeah. So we'll see where this goes. I just thought it was an interesting bit of uh, shoe on the other foot. Coming up, Travis Aiken. Who knows if he's even wearing shoes next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting. Here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. To quote one of the great movies of our times, stings the nostrils. Mm. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest squared with you this morning. It's time to uh, bring on Travis Aiken, Executive Director of iLaw, is our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Uh-oh. We've got a we got a Travis issue. What are we, what are we doing? Here? We have to we have to file a class action suit. But apparently, producer Josh. Uh, lost Travis this Did morning. Travis think that you were making fun of him by saying stings the nostrils? What are you doing uh, over there? No, I haven't smelled Travis lately, so uh, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't know what was going on there. <laughs> Travis Aiken, Executive Director of iLaw, going to be our guest here in uh, just a moment on the morning meeting. I hope what? that's Travis he's talking to. Well, if he's talking to him like that, I would imagine uh, that it is. So as we get ready for uh, uh, polling day on Tuesday, one of the topics that uh, we've been able to talk with a couple times a month is about judges in your community. Travis Aiken, Executive Director of iLaw. Hopefully I don't have to introduce you a fourth time, Travis. Good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Uh, as we get ready to roll up this uh, to the uh, ballot box on Tuesday, or maybe if you uh, get an early vote in the last day or two, you're about to do that. Uh, justices. One of the things that we've talked about a number of times on this show, now that the swearing in is complete, are you no longer sworn to secrecy over Illinois Supreme Court Justice Lloyd Carmeier? Uh, that, that is uh, quite an amazing thing with him. Now, uh, the chief justice of the Illinois Supreme Court uh, could not be happier uh, and couldn't, be, uh, couldn't happen to a better guy. Uh, Justice Carmeier is one of the nicest pe- people you'll ever meet. Um, he he is a, a, an exceptionally fair and good ju- uh, judge, and uh, uh, the people of Illinois are, are lucky to have somebody with his kind of honesty and integrity heading up our courts. Uh, this is uh, it's really good news uh, for the people of Illinois. Justice Carmeier is seventy six. I think he's 76, uh, Travis. How long do you think he'll stay Chief Justice? Well, they, they rotate the, these things out. So, um, you know, I, I think he'll he'll fill out the term. I'm not sure how long they actually um, serve. Uh, but, yeah, they, I mean, they, they kind of rotate um, from time to time. And uh, I'm not sure what the, what the time period is. 
but I, I think he'll he'll fill out his term. I think he'll fill out his uh, his ten year term that he was elected um, that he was elected to in twenty twenty fourteen. I think he'll go ahead and fill fill that out. And, and uh, I mean he's he may be a little up there, but uh, he certainly uh, got a sharp mind and and uh, uh, he he got around during his, during his retention election. He traveled all over the. Uh, the district in 2014, he got around, saw a lot of people, uh, and uh, he's got a lot of energy. <laughs> is there any pen- I, I, Travis, is there any pending yeah. uh, a, a tobacco legislation heading to the Supreme Court in this uh, next round? Well, that, that is the case that, that never seems to go away. Um, I think um, we, we have not seen the last of that. Uh, it, just, it just continues to... Uh, they, they find new ways to keep it alive, and I, I think that will continue to uh, uh, be, be an issue uh, for, for a while now. Yeah, that case that uh, we're referencing was uh, back in 2005. Uh, Carmeyer voting then to overturn a $10 billion class action judgment against Philip Morris. Plaintiff's attorneys had wanted him recused from the case. There were allegations that he had received contributions from Philip Morris. Uh, Carmeyer did not recuse himself from the case, so that case has kind of become a lightning rod around his name in Illinois. Uh, it, it has, and it's, uh, it's unfortunate. I, you know, I, I think though that the, the big takeaway here is that there is money in in these judicial campaigns, uh, and and for the most part, the vast majority of resources are not coming from. Uh, the, the business community, the vast majority of resources coming to judicial elections are as money from personal injury law firms. If you look at what's going on where I live in the in the fifth district in Illinois, uh, you have here in, in the in the midnight hour, uh, right before the election, uh, more than a million dollars being dumped into uh, two candidates running for appellate court uh, here in in the fifth district, and uh, it's money being dumped in at the last minute. It's money coming from personal injury law firms, some as far away as Texas, uh, money coming into these appellate court races. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think it's really disingenuous uh, for personal injury lawyers to point to money in, in judicial elections when they're the ones who spend far more money uh, in, in, the, in these campaigns than uh, any money that comes from uh, the, biz- the business community. And, and it's, uh, it's very evident in these two races here where just tons of money are coming in at the last minute. And I, I think it's important for voters to look at who's funding these campaigns and, and why they're putting money into, into these campaigns. And, and you know, here at, where I live, you know, the, the question people need to ask themselves is why, why would a uh, personal injury law firm in in Texas have an interest in an appellate court race uh, in Southern Illinois, uh, and uh, there we see this all the time, particularly in the Fifth District, where of course Madison and St. Clair County are. Uh, we see this all the time, and I think the question we have to ask ourselves is: Is justice for sale in Illinois? And uh, I think it's unfortunate that. We, have, we see so much money being dumped in by, by personal injury law firms, and I think we need to really pay attention to, to what's going on in these judicial elections. I would, I would point everyone to IllinoisJudges.net. 
look look at that website. Uh, get informed about who's on the ballot in on your ballot for judge, whether it's an open election or a retention election. Look and see the ratings that are there, uh, and make an informed uh, vote when you go to the polls on November the eighth. Travis Aiken, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Travis, I think you're talking about a group called Fair Courts Now, which sounds reasonable. I mean, who's against fair courts? But that's a super PAC that, even even in terms of uh, uh, politics, is kind of new. How how long have they been around? And you mentioned Texas is is an area that has uh, found a way to get money into uh, Illinois campaigns. It's not just Texas. It's other states, too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, the money is coming from all over the place. Uh, And it's coming in in in, in the last minute. Uh, And and look, I I said all along, they have every right to do this. Uh, uh, It is political speech. It is free speech. Uh, campaign don- donations, they're, 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 they're fully disclosed. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I would challenge voters is look and see who's funding these campaigns and, and make your decisions uh, accordingly. Uh, it, it's important for us to vote in these judicial elections, but it's also very important for us to look and see uh, who, who's fun- funding these campaigns and, uh, and ask ourselves why are they doing it? Why are these out-of-state law firms? getting involved in judicial elections here in Illinois. Uh, I, I, I think we, we all know the answer to that. It's, it's because there's so many out-of-state cases, particularly asbestos cases, that are heard in Madison County. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't, it, you know, the, the Cubs and the Indians are in the World Series. If, if, if somebody learned that the officials uh, somehow were, were getting paid by either the Cubs or, or, or the Indians, uh, there might be uh, some uh, angst about the honesty and the integrity uh, of those games. And we have judges here who are supposed to be uh, unbiased, who are supposed to sit on, on, on the bench and, and not be swayed uh, by either side, taking thousands, if not millions of dollars from personal injury law firms. And that uh, I, that's unsettling when there's so many civil lawsuits and civil cases that are heard, uh, particularly in, in, in the 5th District, which is home to Madison and St. Clark County. Travis Aiken, uh, Director of Illinois Lawsuit Abuse Watch, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, Travis, uh, a gentleman by the name of Christopher Hurley wrote an op-ed uh, and singled you and I-Law out for making a, a whole lot of noise about nothing. He says that uh, personal lawsuits, and, and specifically cited asbestos lawsuit numbers, are actually way down in, in, in Madison County. Who is who is Christopher Hurley, and why would he write an op-ed and single you and I-Law out? Uh, well, I mean, the, 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 the uh, trial bar... <laughs> Uh, the Trial Lawyers Association, uh, in particular, in in, uh, in Illinois, uh, like likes to uh, uh, weigh in whenever I I, I uh, do a bunch of anything. So <laughs> uh, I'm not surprised that I'm being being singled out. Uh, but you know, it, it's it, it, it's a false narrative. Uh, yes, it's true that there is a kind of a, a, a pendulum when it comes to asbestos cases. They go up, they go down in, in Madison County. But they, they still have uh, nearly a third of all 
asbestos litigation is heard in in Madison County. Um, our you know are filed those cases are filed in Madison County. So it's like around 30 percent of the nation's asbestos litigation is filed in in Madison County, more than any other jurisdiction in the entire country. So it, it, it's just been it's it's how you 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 look at it, and you know, yeah, it's it's maybe down uh, from uh, a, a, a big high, you know, record-setting high in 2013. Uh, we haven't had a year like 2013 in the last couple of years. That That is true. Uh, but it's still higher than any other jurisdiction in the country, and nearly a third of all asbestos litigation is filed in that one county. Uh, did that op-ed mention those facts? Uh, no, it didn't. It, it just talked about how the numbers are, the numbers are down and, and you and I law are the ones uh, pushing the false narrative. Uh, they're all just good guys uh, looking to make a buck, uh, and do do a good job. All right. One last question for you, uh, Travis, we were talking about this b- before you came on in the uh, segment, there's been some uh, early voting across the country, uh, this state, uh, many, many other states. However, uh, it is, uh, come to pass that some people, have decided that maybe they want to change their early vote. And you can't do that in Illinois, but you can do that in some other states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, I believe uh, Minnesota. If people go and early vote and then go back and re-early vote, are we potentially looking at a lawsuit crazy nightmare a week from today if people try and contest the the vote results based on early voting versus re early voting. Absolutely, I mean this, this is just it, 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 we this early voting thing is, is getting crazier and crazier, uh, and uh, I, I mean I, I can understand why states might say okay. You, you go, you early vote, that's what based on the facts are then, and then something happens and you want to change your vote. And certainly, you know, here in Illinois, when, when we, we have the option to early vote and uh, in, in a primary situation, for instance, you, you might have voted for somebody who isn't even running for president at the time that the uh, primary actually happens in, in Illinois. And so, you, and then... I'm sure states are looking at it and thinking, well, let's give these voters another chance to make a change if they want to. Well, that's just, like you said, going to open up uh, even more litigation possibilities, even more problems, even more difficulties than uh, um, uh, we we uh, than we really want. I, I and we we are. That, that, that's where this is this is headed. I mean, I, just about every election is going to have some uh, litigation component to it mo- moving forward because people uh, want to use the courts to try to get the results that they want uh, when, when when the ballots are are, are cast and, and, and counted. And it's just unfortunate. That's that's where where what we have become as as a litigious uh, society. And I, I I don't see it changing uh, anytime soon. Quaid had a great idea on how you could fund ILaw. Oh yes, the 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 family family fun uh, play at home board game. Let's get litigious. 
<laughs> Over, you everything. could sue mom. You could sue mom and dad and and Aunt Betty. <laughs> sue for your but early you know, one, book. One of the things I, I I like to do, and I, I've done this um, on uh, radio programs before, is which lawsuit is real, which one is fake, and and you you uh, read, give off two different scenarios where a lawsuit is filed and ask the question which one is real and which one is not. Uh, yeah, that 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 could be a board game. Yeah, we, we could turn that in. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like it. Fundraiser yeah. for ILAW. I I happen to know somebody who has a secondary interest in game development. So uh-huh. you and I should talk uh, at some point after the show. Travis Aiken, executive director of ILAW, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. If you vote early, I guess don't try and vote often. That's the lesson today, kids. Travis, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We'll wrap it up next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Squade with you this morning. Thanks again to Travis Haken from ILaw, our guest. Just about a minute or so left on the show this morning, Quaid. Hmm? Armageddon tonight Why not? in the mistake by the lake. Oh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. That's the mistake at the Transit Authority. <sighs> Cleveland. Mm-hmm. They don't seven. play at Old County Stadium anymore, but uh, at Progressive Game Seven. Cubs, Indians, how do you see it? Someone's going to win a World Series. Somebody's going to win. (laughs) Will will 70 years of wandering in the desert be appeased, or will 108 years of wandering be appeased? I think it all comes down to uh, to Kluber. If if Kluber can can give you five good innings, I think oh, he uh, gives them five good ones. I, I think, think Cleveland's yeah. uh, going to be smiling if he can't get out of the third. Hey, hey, Chicago. Otherwise, is it possible to say this? Is Cleveland title town USA if they win this one? Shh, you're going to oh. anger the athletic gods. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. Have fun with the game tonight. More tomorrow. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.